Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. On the podcast today, joining from Melbourne, Australia, are Booty Miller, co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others, and myself in Puebla, Mexico. The Theatre of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Hi, Booty. How you going? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good yeah. because today is my husband's birthday. <laughs> That's right. I forgot <laughs> Valentine's Day. That's forgot. I forgot. Yeah. He's getting older. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, my love. Happy birthday, my love. He's a, you know he's a friend of our podcast. So yeah. Happy yeah, birthday, yeah. my love. Happy birthday, my love. <laughs> he listens with bated breath. He enjoys our conversation. So yes, yes, yes. So it's like I force feed them to him. I'm like, have you listened? Have you listened? Have you listened? Have you listened to Alicia? She was amazing. Have you listened? Have you listened? He's like, I will. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look, the the weather here is lockdown. That's what's going on here. <laughs> right. Right. The weather is lockdown. Yeah. The weather, the current state of affairs and weather is lockdown. We've got a five-day lockdown. The COVID um, UK strain made its way to Melbourne um, in quarantine from, you know, the mandatory quarantine in the hospitals. But it was spreading like a wildfire to staff. So our wonderful Dan Andrews, our state premier. Lock the motherfucking shit down. You know, he said, let's break this circuit. Let's stop it now. You know, mm. but there was something else that happened that was really interesting when he was announcing like what we were going to go, go through. But he was like, we are the only place on the planet that stopped and killed a second wave of COVID. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. So like now I'm like, okay, all right, so we can do this, you know, because I live in a, I live in a state where everyone is going to buckle down and get it, get it over with, you know, Mm -hmm. but needless to say, another lockdown is just a pain in the ass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How's Mexico? Oh, um, I was just reading right before we started, uh, recording, um, 
Mexico is the number 15 economy in the world. And it got, of the 75 nations that got the, the vaccine at the same time, uh, Mexico is one of those 75 nations. Um, it is ranked number 71 on having vaccinated its actual citizens of those 75 countries. Less than half a percent of the country has been vaccinated. Less than half a percent uh, of the country has been vaccinated. And they have announced- Why? Why is that? Mexico. That's, I mean, that's, that's literally my answer for everything when anybody asks me anything about Mexico. It's just <laughs> Mexico. It just is. Um, and they've announced that um, they're expecting to not have everybody vaccinated until 2023. Why? <laughs> for some reason, I understand. I, I mean, I understand intellectually the thought behind this reason. Uh, they're vaccinating the oldest people first. Because obviously the vaccine or the the, the virus uh, affects them the most. But the thing is, the oldest people are usually inside and away from people. So they're the isolated ones. And so they're not going to vaccinate the people who are day to day on the in front line and the, the front lines in with, you know, <sighs> in communities Um you know, oh this, this economy is – so much of this economy is a cash economy and it's a street food economy and it's, you know, so much yeah. interaction. Those are the people that should be getting it because those are the ones who yeah. are spreading it. And they're that not – and they've decided they're not going to give it to anybody under 30, um, even though those people, universities and bars and clubs are the ones that are the super spreader events. They're going to give it to the 90-year-olds uh. first and then they're going to give it to the 80-year-olds and they're going to give it to the 70-year-olds. And Whose logic is this? The president's, the president's logic. He's um, the one who Didn't held he up. Did he just the, recently contract COVID? Yes, he he has COVID, um, and he held up his two saints to say that those were going to be the things that save him. But whatever, it's you know Mexico. Like I said, Mexico. It just is. Yeah. Uh, 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 what is this world coming to? It's just like. I don't even know. Like it's not. I'm not like stressed. I'm not. I'm like. I'm apathetic now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the apathy is just like, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Everything that I've planned on for my life is completely different. And I have to just sit back and receive, receive, I, I was, see what I this was, is. I was talking with somebody yesterday and I was wondering out loud, which do you think is going to be more anxiety driven? I mean, last year when we didn't know, when we were in a big unknown, we didn't know what life was going to be like. We didn't know when it, when it was going to end, if it was going to end. Do you think more anxiety last year or more anxiety this year when we do know what it's going to be mm. like, when we do know that it's not going to end? We, we do know that we're going to be locked in and shut down for another year. Well, what's, what, what, are, what are your feelings? Do you have more anxiety in 2021 or less anxiety? Currently? I, currently, I have less anxiety, but I have less hope. At least... <laughs> At least last year, last year I kept on thinking, well, okay, we'll get to, you know, we'll get to summer and it'll open up or we'll get to the fall and we'll open up. So there was a sense of like, we're getting somewhere. But right now, no, I don't feel like we're going to open anytime or anything is going to get better anytime soon. But I know what's going to happen. I know that, you know, me and my girlfriend are going to fight about stupid things. We're going to make up. <laughs> We're going to need to separate for a little while and have space. I, like all those things that you go through. You know, we're going to go through our baking phase. We're going to go through our hoarding phase. We're going to go through our Amazon phase. Like, okay, I know how to I know how to deal with this now. 
Hmm, what's my phase? I think mine is just sit back, write emails, sit back, send another email, (laughs) sit back, wait for an email to come, and then send a response. That's all you have to look for. That's all you have to look forward to. Oh, God. (laughs) That's all I have to look forward to. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Admin, admin. You know, COVID has created more admin. Oh, jeez. Than I have ever done in my entire life. And less than <laughs> I want to continue to do, you know? <laughs> I do not miss that. I do not miss that. It's horrible. It's just really, really horrible. I hate it. Anyway. Anyway. So, look, there's, but, you know, in order for us to be able to do other things, we have to be able to do what we're going to talk about today. That's right. Absolutely. And what are we going to talk about today? We are back in director's land, but I don't think that this uh, is just a director's issue. I think every everything that the theater encompasses and the only way that we can make theater is in the topic that we're talking about today. And that is choosing collaborators and collaboration. Mm. That's theater, a big one, huh? Theater, yeah. Theater as an art form is unlike the other art forms, is solely dependent on collaboration. Theater cannot be done on its own. Theater has to have multiple collaborators, multiple artists, multiple Mm. people involved, including the final contributor, which is the audience, as a collaborator as well. So collaboration Mm. is the absolute key for theater. And um, the other art forms don't have to rely on that like we do. Well, yeah, and you know, and it's it's the other thing is like when we talk to you know uh, like departments like production, like the whole thing is like we can't do anything without production either, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so exactly. it's like <laughs> depending and, and you know depending on the scale of the performance you're going to do, there, there's there's always going to be an extra set of hands there holding you up and p- pulling you along. You know, mm-hmm. it's a community engagement in in, yeah. in the simplest form of it. Um, yeah. Okay, so maybe what we should do is uh, take a little break and then come back and talk about some phases of collaboration. Like, you know, like, like for what kind of projects would need a certain type of collaboration and mm-hmm. what projects allow you to go solo and just call people along when you need them or what needs real planning and real investigation on who are the mm-hmm. right collaborators, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that last one is, is really integral because uh, not everybody is interested in collaboration like we are. <laughs> and they can't That's be true. dragged along. They can't be dragged along. You have to have buy-in by everybody. So it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a break and mm-hmm. we'll come back and, and talk about collaboration. Take it away, take it away, take it away, purple planet, keyword planet, y'all, planet. Thank 
Kiss Keep Purple Planet? Purple. I just keep calling it Purple Planet these days. It's like purple. my my it's like my my lips don't want to come together, and the back of my tongue wants to go up <laughs> to you know my heart palate and percolate it. They are the Purple Planet. No, they're the Purple Planet. Thank you, Purple Planet. <laughs> we are talking about collaboration, y'all. We're talking mm-hmm. about collaboration. So, mm-hmm. what is the first step to even know? Think if you know, no, not even know, but like think about what do I need? I don't know anything. What what kind of collaborators do I need to even begin a project? Well, you have to you have to figure out what the project is to begin with. I mean, and it's about knowing yourself, knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, so that you can pull on other people that can help with that. That can complement or supplement sometimes supplement is 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 another thing that happens in that i know i know a lot about design but i have purposefully not done anything with lighting i don't mm. i i just i don't i don't know anything about lighting it's just it's outside my wheelhouse and i've decided not to do that so i have to supplement my my education and my collaboration with lighting designers great lighting designers that can then fill in and play and collaborate that way but a lot of times it's also to complement. It's to do something else. So you have to start with yourself and say, um, one, what does the project need and what do I need? What's going to help the project? What's going to help me? What am I mm. missing? What am I – where are my blinders at? Where, uh, where do I lack and who can help me with that? Yeah. And so when you are picking a collaboration, what – who do you call <laughs> other than Ghostbusters? <laughs> who do yeah, you call uh, when it's something strange and your collaboration? Ow! Oh, who you going to call? <laughs> the best people I can. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I say this a lot. I, I, me personally, and I know this is not true for everybody and, and everybody has to figure this out for themselves. Um, do you want the best person? Or do you want the best person for you? And that's and there's a difference in there because um, money. Well, well, there's it's not just <laughs> it, not just money, but it's also personality as well. Because mm-hmm. a really great collaboration, it should be challenging, but it doesn't need to be combative. And so I'm looking for personalities that I can gel with. And that doesn't mean that I'm looking for a yes man or I'm looking for a yes woman. I'm not looking for somebody to agree with me. I'm looking for somebody... Or yes them. Or yes them. I'm looking for somebody that can offer other things, but knows that we're we're all serving a greater project. We're not serving their ego. We're not serving my ego. We're serving the project. So I'm not looking... If the best person is somebody that I don't get along with then I'm not going to work with that person. They may be the best lighting designer in the world, the best costume designer, the best actor, as I've talked about before. If I don't get along with them, personalities clash, then it's that thing we talked about before of saying like, you know, once everybody feels safe, they'll do anything. Mm. And in that kind of land of like, ah, I don't know, we don't get along. We don't see, we never see eye to eye on anything. They, have, <laughs> they make really beautiful things, but I can't trust them and they can't trust yeah. me. So I'm looking yeah. for I'm looking for personalities that can mingle, not can, not that it will marry, but can mingle, and um, will push my ideas better, and so will allow me to push their ideas to be better as well. Okay, so then you find your perfect team of collaborators. Yeah, what's the next step? 
hang on them, hang on to them forever. <laughs> so you can call them again. Um, yeah, that's true. The next, next step is to really kind of um, understand that, get everybody to understand what the project is, I think, to get them on board with the vision for the project and to allow them to expand that vision out. So it's not just you're here to fulfill my vision, but we're here, we're here to fulfill the play. My vision for the play is this. Where do you see um, my vision needs to be expanded, challenged, uh, changed? What can you bring to uh, – what can you offer? What can you um, yeah, bring to the table uh, to make that even better? So it's mm. it's about it's about getting that those collaborators together to flesh out those ideas and make them even stronger to kind of shoot at the idea to shoot at the vision and and try and shoot it down and find where the weak spots are and shore mm. it up yeah so okay so how do you deal with budget when you get to this point I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I pass that off to somebody else. <laughs> okay, that, that that's your that's your other collaborator. That's my other collaborator. A great producer. Yeah, a great producer you that must can get a producer. Keep, a great producer that can keep my feet on the ground when I when yeah. I ask for twelve thousand dollars and and then she says you got five. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even have swimming. <laughs> and you don't have swimming. Yeah, look, and I think okay, so that's 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 you for collaborators. And for me it's like finding, you know, finding that director or finding that producer or finding that uh finding that writer that would want to work with me, you know, as an as mm-hmm. an actor. You know. Like and that's that's that that's kinda of like what you wanna y'all out there that are trying to figure out what what direction your career is going to go into or how you want your what direction of your career to go into. It's like do I want to completely just focus all of my energies on being an actor, being mm-hmm. just a director? Do I want to do I want to lean into the other things that I love doing? What does that mean for my career as an actor or a director or a writer? How will people see me in this in this in this way? And I think that I think that the world is branching out into those those Phoebe Waller bridges, you know, where like you do all these things, these these mm-hmm. um, Michaela Coles, you know, where you mm-hmm. do it all. You know, yeah. where they they write their stories and we want to see them performing their stories, yeah. you know, and that's that's a big thing, you know, and the day and age of just being an actor is is yeah. not the only choice. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know if that's I don't know if even it is a, a viable choice anymore. I mean, I know we're you know, we're we're actor trainers, we're theater trainers, but is, you know, that. An acting training career and so many, you know, uh, training programs, especially in the United States, regional theater training programs are still in that me- training methodology of training for a repertory theater. And those don't yeah. exist. Rep does not exist anymore. So you can't just yeah. be an actor waiting to do the next show. You've got to be somebody that can also make your own show. And yeah. when the downtime is there and they need a stage manager that you can step up and say, look, I can stage manage too. Or cool, you need somebody to be in the shop. I can work in the shop and I can help build sets mm-hmm. because – just because you're not acting doesn't mean that you're not able to do theater. And I don't know anybody that can just live off of being an actor constantly. I do. 
I do. I know a lot of people that actually make livings off of being an actor. And it's a very, it's a very particular um, lifestyle, you know, but it's not for everyone. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you're not, you can't be an actor if that's not your sole bread and butter. But yes, I do know a lot of actors that live their lives and their whole life is being an actor and living the life and career of an actor. But, but it's that's rare, not everyone. It? But it's rare, it is rare, isn't it? It's incredibly rare. And I, I, I want to kind of caution everybody to, to say, like, it's, it's likely not going to be the case that, you're gonna, you, that you can be in that situation where you can live your life solely as an actor doing nothing else because it's so rare. So why put yourself in the situation to possibly, I don't want to say fail, but possibly not be able to do that, spread out and be able to do everything else. And if you can be an actor, awesome great, then you're one of the rare ones and that's fantastic. But why only limit yourself to that one thing? Well, I think this, 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 is, a, this is a really, really good conversation because I think that um, those that are supposed to be actors will be actors and they know what's in their body. And everything around them will keep telling them you're supposed to be an actor. The ones that aren't supposed to be just exclusively actors, they're getting other information that they don't want to take in and accept that those are other elements of what they do that they're good at that they should also um, feed and and um, nurture so that when when the opportunity comes to work in that element of their talent, they can go into that element of or as opposed to being stuck in the cognitive dissonance. But but I want to be an actor. But I want to be an actor. Yeah. But I want to be an right. actor. Yeah. You know, those people that are that are working actors, they know it. It's in their body. It's it's their, it, there. There's no other thing they can do. Yeah. There's no other thing that they want to do. When I say can do, I mean, it's their I mean, their spirit, their, their spirit is not fulfilled in, in this journey. And um, if they're not on stage, if they're not learning lines, if they're not reading plays, if they're not up and working, if they're not developing. So it, there's there's actually a drive behind those kinds of people. Yeah, that people that want to have that drive but don't have that drive mm-hmm. go into thinking that they're going to, to be an actor, right? But they exactly. don't have the, they're not doing what working actors do, right? Exactly. I mean the the <laughs> most the most uh, everybody knows when you think of theater when you think of film you think of an actor first, right? They're the they're the they're the face they're the face of mm-hmm. the medium. So everybody thinks that oh I'll just do an I'll be an actor. But you don't have not, not everybody has that drive as you're talking about of being an actor. But everybody started out as an actor because that's the first thing that you can get into. It's the easiest thing to kind of like say, "Oh, I want to do X, so I will do that." And it's along the way that you find out. You say, like, you know what? I I actually just love theater. I don't love being an actor, or I don't have the discipline to do what an what a, a working actor needs to be able to do to be a self motivated self starter constantly disciplined waking up and spending all day long on the acting form crafting myself i actually would do better if i had a team to work with or i would do better if Mm. i could be alone working on a design or i would be i would do better if i had people that i could tell what to do and that's you know, that's when you get back into that collaboration mode. That's not to say at all that actors aren't collaborators. Actors are amazing collaborators, and you have to constantly think of yourself as a collaborator in the form. You're not there to be a puppet to the director's vision. You're not there to just interpret. It's that it's that back and forth with a director that fleshes out a character. It's that back and forth in the space that fleshes out the environment and the atmosphere. So that collaboration 
is an incredibly important part of an actor's work as well. Well, and I think that's where we get into the uh, the conversation that we talk about, like, although it looks like it's a very big industry, it's a very small industry because oh, the yeah. ones that are working and the ones that can do the work are the ones that are working. Yeah. The ones that can do the work are the ones that are working. I tell this to my students all the time, decide on what you want and then wait your, wait your turn. But you have to be ready to take the job when the job comes. Yeah. Because the job will fly by if you're not prepared. You know, and so, and that's the thing. It's like, there's a reason why we keep seeing the same actors over and over again because of this word collaboration. And you know, they're not going to fuck your film up. They're not going to fuck your play up. Yeah. You know, they're, it's, it's they're, hard. They're a sure to, to, bet. They're a sure <laughs> bet. Yeah. They're assured that they want to do it. It costs a lot of money to put this stuff up. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's easier to be on a speed dial call to an actor than to have to do a long audition process and hope that the actor that you do hire can do the work, mm. you know, and that's where collaboration comes into play and on a very high level. Mm-hmm. So I think what we should do is we should take a break. Mm-hmm. And then I think we should talk about some of our favorite collaborators Mm, some of our favorite collaborations okay yeah yeah okay let's do that yeah okay so let's give it to Purple Planet (laughs) and then we'll come back Purple Planet take it away take it away talking about this collaboration mm-hmm. but i want to know what collaborators you really love what what combination of collaborators make you go oh yeah there they go that's the that's that's what they do and they do it well mm. um i so i work with a lot of musicians in my work and uh while i don't necessarily i while i may not necessarily um listen to music because I have that, <laughs> I have that problem with my ears and my brain where I will <laughs> hum something all the time. Uh, the musicians that I work yeah. with, I, I don't go home singing their work because their music. That's not shade. That's not shade. It's not shade. There's nothing for you to hum. There's nothing for you to sing. There's, you know, it's, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a couple of different coll- musical collaborators. So, um, uh, musical collaborators, Black Zenith. Uh, this is a electronic, uh, I'm not. I'm not disparaging them when I say this. Electronic noise duo, uh, <laughs> Darren Moore and Brian O'Reilly, um, and they they do they do electronic noise. And again, I don't necessarily like that. I'm not singing it when I go home. But the way that they think about, it, they're both. I mean, they're both trained jazz musicians, and they're just and they're tr- taking their jazz training into an electronic medium, and that kind of thinking goes along really well with how I think about with the viewpoints. And mm. we have, we've collaborated so long on uh, viewpoints work, and then we've collaborated on shows together and having that kind of jazz mentality with the viewpoints, with 
their electronic music uh, in we, we've done three shows together I think now so we uh, we did we did Hamlet together with Brian and he did mm-hmm. live accompaniment under underneath Hamlet oh that I was <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> forget that do you remember that one that one that one note when I was like <laughs> I had I had an actor diva moment but like it was like okay y'all we actors can be very subjective at times a lot of the time and it's really hard if you're a producer and an actor on the <laughs> project because you actually think you have power in the in the performance space but you don't you're just the fucking actor and so there was a moment there's a moment during the um the rogue speech when I was like, and now I am alone. <laughs> and then Brian just starts playing this music. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, and, 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 you know, then at, during the note time, I was like, um, could the music be softer or not have music there? Because I say I am alone and I'm sitting right next to this cellist and he's like, in my ear. And, and I was like, Clearly, I'm not alone. <laughs> Adam's like, Rudy, could you please just show up to work? Okay, let's <laughs> let's move on. And I'm like, I call shade. I call shade. Yeah, sometimes you just yeah 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 you gotta suck it up and put an image there. So every time, <laughs> so every time that I said I was alone, there was a there just happened to be a cellist in my brain, in my head, in my imagination, <laughs> and I was alone. <laughs> dear dear listener i will i i will implore you to actually go and watch the video on our website there is no there is no loud cello underneath his rogue speech it's all in booty's brain there was it was never as loud as he thought it was it just wasn't deafening silence like he wanted <laughs> I would never I would never have allowed there to be a loud cello underneath this speech. But there was underscored music. It was so loud. It was so loud. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry for that. I had to, I had to bring it up because love you, Brian. And, <laughs> and Brian he created, yeah. and that was that 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 music he created was incredible because exactly because then I got used to it and it was like we were like playing jazz together like yeah. I was performing and he was playing underneath me so that was really cool. Well, that's why I love working with him because he's not just there with a score that he's there to perform no matter what. He's actually watching you and listening to you and he's adjusting his performance the entire time. There was no, um, there was no score. He was literally playing something new every single night. I mean, of course, there were themes he was looking at or there were things that he was doing, but he was always adjusting and playing with you. If you started to be more intense, he would play along with you. He would either counterpoise, juxtapose, underscore. He was there to serve the play and to serve the mm. actors that he was following along with. He's another character. And he uh, he also did uh, my production of Henry V. And uh, he and Darren both did my production of Macbeth. And again, the the same kind of thing. When Lady Macbeth is doing her, her speech out, out damn spot, she's on her, you know, kind of her, her sleepwalk. They were jamming with her and it was, and it was fantastic. And Sangeeta, the actress who played Lady Macbeth would talk about how. Rebecca, she, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, she loved, she loved that kind of back and forth. She loved to be able to um, jam, literally jam, 
with them, and they were totally there to support that moment. So I love working with um, artists like that. I love working with musicians um, that can that can say, okay, I see the overall picture of what we're trying to do. How can I support that? How can I put a bed for that? How can I push that moment further? Um, but about listening, really being able to be, listen in that moment because they are they're live. They're doing it right in that moment, and um, they're able to adjust. They're able to say, I need to take this down. This is, wow, it's really intimate today. They're really into it. The audience is really listening. She's much quieter. I need to be able to take this down to support her or to support him or to support them. Or this is all, you know, they're, they're so much faster tonight. How can, I, how can I stretch this out? How can I speed this up? How can I help them out? Mm. Well, you want to hear mine? Well, who's yours? Robert Wilson. Well, there you go. I like watching. Well, I like watching his. I like watching um, the work when he's collaborating with different artists from around the world. You know, the, think, yeah. the first oh, one, yeah. right? Is is you know Einstein on the beach, him yeah. and Philip Glass. Like that's like the ultimate collaboration, right? Yeah, yeah these yeah. two insane artists coming together on that at uh, that stature <laughs> for an opera, you know. At the Lincoln Center, yeah. and what they did—it's like the clashing, of, not the clashing, but the melding of two minds coming together. Right? Mm -hmm. I say clashing because it's like an explosion when they meet, or like you know, uh, Robert Wilson with um, Tom Waits, mm -hmm. his Wojciech. Oh my God! Black, when I Wojciech and Black Rider. Yeah. Oh my God! And Black Rider. That's right. Hello, Black Rider was first. You know, and then, yeah. but I think the. The one collaboration with um, with Bob that got me the that hit me the hardest was the one that got, hit me when I wasn't expecting it. He had did um, a collaboration um, with uh, an American jazz saxophonist and a, a famous uh, Chinese uh, opera singer in um, Taipei. I mean, she was like, she was amazing. <laughs> And it it hit me really hard because it was a, it was a piece based on Chung He. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know who Chung He uh, was, he was a he was an explorer that really contributed to a lot of the cultures uh, throughout Southeast Asia. He was a Chinese explorer, um, and the piece was called, I believe it was fourteen forty two. I think that was the year of four, four, fourteen. It was fourteen something. 14, 14 something y'all 14 I'll, put, 42, I'll, I'll 15, figure it out put it in the show notes i'll put it in the and show you know, notes I'll i'm figure having it out. a dyslexic moment I'm, yeah but 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 it was uh, what was amazing is i'm sitting there you know experiencing you know uh bob's really slow engaging worlds moving atmospheres to atmospheres and then there was this moment where the jazz musician who's playing the saxophone He's from Brooklyn. And the uh, Chinese opera singer, please forgive me, I can't remember her name, um, began to scat in Chinese opera style. Oh, that's cool. With this, with this saxophonist. I lost my shit because she was modulating her voice in ways that I had never in my life experienced. And I, I literally, I'm not kidding y'all. I felt her 
touch my heart, unlatch it with her sounds and open it up. And I was weeping and I didn't know why. And, and, it, and it, what it did for me was it gave me this respect for the Chinese opera. You know, because what happens when you live in Singapore, there's just a really famous one that, that, that the street Chinese opera that happens right over by La Salle and it's, mm-hmm. it's not so good and it's very community theater <laughs> and it's, you know, you don't really get to experience just the beauty of Chinese opera. If you if you want to understand Chinese opera, I would definitely recommend you watch the masters from China or, uh, or, or, or Taipei, uh, Taiwan. And even in, in, in even in Hong Kong, and I'm sure there's some really strong ones in uh, Singapore as well. But you want to get the good stuff, because the good stuff is magic. It was magical. I was weeping while she's and she kept repeating this phrase over and over again. And the way she was repeating it, it felt like she was asking me a question. And it was and it was like and it and the voice would just kind of lilt, scoop into my heart, and then ask the question. Lilt, scoop into my heart, and then ask the question. While the saxophonist was like playing underneath her, uh, these these uh, these rhythms and having it, they were having a dialogue. It was mm. like they were having a scene, and it was the coolest motherfucking thing I'd ever seen in my experienced in my life. And what was awesome was like Bob during the um. Um, uh, at the at the opening in the green room when he was talking about the work, he said, "Where else but the theater can you get a famous Chinese opera singer from Taipei, yeah. Yeah. a uh jazz saxophonist from Brooklyn, and a crazy old man from Texas together in Taipei to perform, but yeah. theater." Yeah. Where else but the theater? Yeah. So that's that 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 that's a collaboration that just makes me go uh, collaborate her, you know, because like because Bob is he's the strongest when he's collaborating. Man, yeah, he I, does I, these I, things, that, man. I, I don't. I it's not that I dislike his work when he's not collaborating, but I can just tell that his stuff is so much stronger when there's another artist there to challenge and provoke him because. He does what he does so brilliantly that he can fall back on just doing that brilliant stuff and then mm. people will like it. But when you've got Tom Waits there, when you've got Willem Dafoe there, when you've got a Marina Abramovich there to go, you know what? I'm also a world-class amazing artist as well. Why don't we do this other thing as well? And it's the combination of the two things kind of going in different directions that breaks it open and makes some amazing stuff. One last thing. I just Another one just popped into my head with, with Bob. I watched the development phase of Ilagaligo at uh, Purnati, Yaya Zambali Purnati. Hi, guys. Um, and they had brought all of the experts from all over Indonesia to do the different forms, including the shamans. And they had, you know, they had, they had to have an extra bus for the spirits that were that had come with them. So the, there was a bus driver that was like freaking out because his car was full of spirits <laughs> um, and ancestors. And so they all drove and, and they did, it was, it was a scene where they were playing monkeys. My brain flipped into this world because we had Bob's beautiful puppetry, his collaborating uh, with the musicians on the kind of style he wanted. And then you had these dancers that were doing these monkey dances. And I felt it, once again, my brain just flipped into this other place. And I just started weeping because I had never experienced theater like that. And it was just in rehearsals. And I think, you know, those are the kind of things, those watching, you know, my mentors in their collaborating, um, 
you know, prowess is what also form formed me as an artist as well. Kept me open to understanding that it's not just my idea, but it's all of the company's idea that that will bring forth the the story we're going to tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the the great artists. They, they don't just do it alone. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking when you're talking about. Uh, Robert Wilson, I was thinking about Romeo Castellucci, and Romeo Castellucci mm. does so much of it himself. However, his great collaborator, Scott Gibbons, does all the the music and the voice stuff, and so much of what we associate with Romeo Castellucci's work is the sound, the aural. I mean, it, it really mm. hits you on a visceral level, and that's all Scott Gibbons. Or, um, you know, Ivo Van Hova and the sets that his partner, Jan van der Swil, uh, always mm. makes. Um, City Company in the last 10 years and Bogart has exclusively collaborated, you know, uh, their collaboration with Bill T. Jones and Artie Zane Dance Company, their collaboration with the Martha mm. Graham Company, their collaboration with mm. Bang on a Can, their collaboration with, you know, insert whatever collaboration. That, I mean, they only do collaborations <laughs> now. And, th- and they say, you know, it's like because because we know what we do really well and we can rely on that, but that's boring. We want to go into the unknown. And these these artists, these older artists especially, are going, yeah, I've, I've kind of perfected and mastered my form. I need to go into places that I'm really kind of uncomfortable, like a, like a beginner again. I need to have beginner's brain. Mm. I need to go back into that space of going, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. How do I live up to their worth, my collaborator's mm-hmm. worth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and look, I think I think that's really where the world is going too. It's like all the collaborations that we are seeing on so many different platforms, you know, <laughs> from fashion to theater. You know, it's like Adidas can't sell a can't sell a shoe anymore without collaborating with some big, you know, designer. You know, yeah. so yeah. I think I think that's just kind of the the world that we live in. That you know, we're in a space that we do we're stronger, we do better work when we work together. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a really great thing for 2021, y'all. Work together. Lock yeah. your arms and collaborate. <laughs> but, 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 but remain socially distanced while you lock your arms, though. Yeah, yeah. So it's a socially distanced arm locking. <laughs> That's a good provocation. <laughs> Speaking of which, we should probably take a break and come back with some provocations. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're about there. Yeah. So let's take a break and come back with some provocations. <laughs> okay, Purple Planet, take it away. Uh. Talking about collaboration, and now it's time for the provocations. Adam, you got some provocations over there? Well, I want to talk briefly about, and this will lead to my provocation, I think. Um, oh, good. About about what I talked about before, which is um, having everybody on board for this collaboration, because you cannot force mm. collaboration. Everybody has to be <laughs> willing and wanting to collaborate. And I'm is thinking, it collaboration if someone's forced into it? That does, that sounds like rape. Well, I mean, I'm thinking very specifically of, I'm just going to say, like the the last year that I was at LaSalle, uh, they made everybody do this 
collaboration week. And it was a thing what? where, yeah, it was the it was the weirdest thing. It was an initiative okay, they wanted to take speak. during. It was an initiative they wanted to take during the kind of um, what's the mid semester break, the project week that was never ever a project week. It was just everybody took a vacation and stopped doing stuff. <laughs> they wanted to make it a project week, and so they oh, had God. every single every single uh, major from every single school and faculty um, oh, come God. together. And um, they mixed everybody up and they had every single teacher take those students from, you know, different faculties (gasps) for a week. And you were there to teach them collaboration. And I kept on thinking, like, I know the colleagues in the other programs don't do collaboration. So what Uh are we – what are you doing? Like the theater people, the dance people. We're fine. The music people, we're all fine. Our yeah, entire performing arts, bread and, the performing arts was fine. <laughs> our entire bread and butter is about collaboration. So it was a thing where like there were students who revolted. There were students who just didn't show up. There were students who said, <laughs> you know, F this, I'm, I'm out. And then there were people who, you know, like I remember our acting students in the other programs when you know, there was a teacher from, let's just say, uh, graphic design teaching them <laughs> collaboration. And the actor was like, what the fuck do I do here? <laughs> because you're you're not teaching how to make interdisciplinary work. You're teaching me how to be a graphic designer. And what is a graphic designer collaborating on, honestly? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, you know, teaching my students all kinds of different things and getting them to create an a truly interdisciplinary work that's using sensory things and movement, but they're also special they're also able to go back into their specialization and bring that in, but also teach somebody their specialization. And it was just a it was just a mess. Mm. And they they never did it again. They never did it again. Well and it, duh. And it was a thing where where they asked us afterwards, they asked us for feedback. I said, you cannot force collaboration. And if a program does not do collaboration inherently, then you cannot ask that program to then do collaboration. If you want to have collaboration from the beginning, why wait till the end of your second year, beginning of your third year? It's got to be there from day one and every single program has to do it. So my provocation (laughs) – it's a long way of getting there. My provocation to everybody (laughs) is – to think about situations where uh, a collaboration, a collaboration that you have been on was unsuccessful and ask the question, why was it unsuccessful? Was it a, was it a valiant failure? Then that's not unsuccessful. A failure is not unsuccessful. If everybody was involved and everybody was trying, I've done some crazy, stupid collaborations that I really thought were going to work and the audience just wasn't ready for, or I wasn't ready for, or the collaborators wasn't ready for, but it wasn't because we didn't want to collaborate. So I want you to think back to unsuccessful collaborations and go back to the root cause of why it didn't work and ask yourself, was I ready to collaborate? Were my collaborators ready to collaborate? Or did we just think it was going to be a cool thing to mix painting with drumming? Right? <laughs> painting with drumming Which is Which I cool. think is a really good idea. <laughs> that's the Blue Man Group, right? Nobody <laughs> yeah. thought that, that was that's Blue Man Group. That's a yeah. really cool collaboration. But that's because they wanted to combine those things. They wanted to find mm. a they wanted to find a third thing. Before Blue Man Group yeah. existed, there was no such thing as Blue Man Group. And yeah, then some exactly. some drummers who had a fine arts degree got together and Blue Man Group came out. A third thing happened. So 
Go back to the unsuccessful collaboration and say, and look at and see, were you open? Were they open to a third thing existing? Or were you trying to serve one medium and the other people weren't ready for that? Mm. That's my provocation. That's good. That's a really good one. Um, Mine's kind of like lingering here. It just feels like... Because when people talk about collaborations, people talk about collaborations all the time. Yeah. All the time. Let's collaborate. Let's collaborate. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And one person is always more enthusiastic than the other one. Mm -hmm. So I think I would like to see if you want to do a collaboration that you put it up. Like give yourself an actual timeline. It will go up at this time. We will work on this collaboration this month a week. Mm-hmm. Like set a contract, set a set a schedule. And whatever it, it turns out to be, it turns out to be that. And I would say, you know, our first showing, you know, go for the first showing, not for the big show, go for the first showing and get feedback from your peers and say, is there something here? What do you what would what would you like more of? What would you like less of this? Is this a good idea um, or should we try something else? You know? And because a lot of really fun stuff comes out of just the, I wonder if, let's try this. Mm-hmm. It just made me think of like, do you know the show The Bombity of Errors? No. Uh, it's the, the rap version, the rap. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, of I the comedy. Know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So The Bombity of Errors was created by some classmates of mine. They were in, they were, it was, uh, it was a, uh, um, experimental wing project like the the guys just wanted to like go for it you know and they just started because they they were rappers and and uh and some were uh um uh, break dancers and they had this project they said let's collaborate let's put these two things together and see how it works and then it 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 grew and turned into this this big off-broadway thing you know so Mm. And, and and published work, you know. I think you can actually find a copy of The Balmody of Errors. Um, I'll see if but I, I can. think yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's just that collaboration is is often our bread and butter, but you gotta put a little bit more um timeline on it so that it doesn't stay in the mm-hmm. ether. I, I've been in so many different situations with friends that wanted to collaborate. Uh when and it always comes out when we see each other, when are we gonna do that thing? When are we gonna yeah, do that yeah, thing? Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be so good. We when are we gonna do that? You know? Yeah. And 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 now when we have so much time in our hands, I think it's it's a really great way to start planning stuff, you know, setting things up for yourselves for when we do get to be uh face to face more globally, things can start, you know, you know, developing. Cause that's what you said in earlier podcasts of like, okay, so what's gonna happen when we come out of lockdown? Right. You know, this is this is a gestation period. You know, this could yeah, also we gotta be have a something, way for you. We got to have something ready. We got to have something ready when we're, when everything comes out. We can't we can't have wasted two years and go. Oh, don't worry. In six weeks, I'll have something. No, they'll have <laughs> yeah. moved on. There, people are gonna want things. Yeah, people are gonna yeah. want things. Yeah, and and look, and as soon as things open up, people do want to work. People projects do start happening. You know, and a lot of projects are coming out here because mm. we, you know, eradicated it for the most part, you know. And so there is work happening. Yeah. So now's the time to figure out what projects you want to be doing and what kind of collaboration you want to go into. So that's my provocation. Set a schedule. Give yourself a timeline. Yeah. 
and make it happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I think it's time for subscribe, 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 subscribe. <laughs> Yes, and and you can and you can uh, send us questions or tell us about your provocations. You can send that to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com slash theater of others. Um, you can send a 90-second voice message there. You can send an email to podcast at theaterofothers.com. You can send a message on our Instagram, on our website, on our Facebook, any of those things. Um, and and reminder- subscribe, 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 subscribe. And a reminder, uh, we are still seeking submissions for um, our audio new drama play festival. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're taking uh, we're taking submissions until the end of March. Uh, again, we are going to help you produce a new audio play in September and October on here on this medium on our podcast. Every Thursday in the months of September and October, a new play is going to come out, and we want it yes. to be your play. So submit it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and put it out there. Submit, um, submit, submit, submit. It, it doesn't hurt to submit. We've already got one person who submitted. Um, and, yes, we do. All we need is just a synopsis of what you're thinking of doing. You've got time to write it. We don't need the, we don't need the full play at the beginning. Um, and we're really looking forward to, to doing that. Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. We're excited about it. And we'll mentor you. That's we'll right. mentor you. That's right. <laughs> whatever whatever help you need, we're here to do that. Uh, so as much help or as little help as you need, that's our job. That's our goal. Yeah. Yep. Let's make some theater, y'all. Yeah. Let's make some audio theater. That's going to be fun. I'm yeah. really excited about that. Well, I think um, I should go back to my lockdown and my husband's birthday. My baby's birthday today. It's my husband's birthday today. <laughs> I will point out for the listener that Akshay could care less about his birthday at all. He doesn't celebrate his birthday. This is Booty. Booty's excited for the birthday because Booty has gotten him a gift. Akshay could care less about gifts and could care less about his birthday. Just want to put that out there. Uh, (laughs) Akshay's probably like, thank you, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best birthday present that I've ever received. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then, um, on that note, um, I'll talk to you soon, Adam. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, man. So good to see you. You as well. <laughs> Give your love to your um your lady friend for me. I will. I will. You <laughs> give, your love. give your love and a happy birthday to your man. I will. I will. And everyone else, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.